podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys are back and we have a extra special guest because of a crazy little thing called conference realignment last summer. We didn't have him on at his usual spot in July, but hey, he's been, he hasn't been busy. He's just been chilling, not really doing much. So I thought I'd, I'd call up Gene Taylor and see what he's up to. Uh, Gene, uh, welcome back to the show. I think this is your fourth or fifth appearance the first time it's just you and me so I'm a little nervous you know Grant can't carry my water while we're talking but uh you know outside of making what I think everyone has called the home run hire of the season what have you been up to you know are you able to enjoy the occasional cold bud light in those great Bosco's boys koozies or what have you been up to yeah absolutely um you know obviously like you kind of mentioned um about the you know uh the conference, you know, realignment, so to speak, that happened was kind of crazy last summer. And, you know, we, we obviously got through that very well, very pleased with, you know, how that's going. And the fact that the four schools coming in are, I think, going to be great additions. And, you know, just kind of working through scheduling and, and trying to figure all that stuff out. But, yeah, clearly the last couple of weeks just been focused on, you know, being able to replace Coach Weber and trying to find the best candidate out there. And uh, I think you're right. It's you know, based on how the reaction was and how uh, Coach Tang handled everything uh, from the moment we announced him to the press conference to some of the other public stuff we did, uh, it was it was phenomenal. Uh, he did a phenomenal job and a, ph- and a phenomenal ph- a phenomenal reaction. Sorry about that. Uh, hey, you're, our- you're fine. You're you, it's, you're probably going on about like two hours of sleep over the last three <laughs> weeks. So I'll I'll forgive you for uh, a little bit of a stumble there. Yeah, no, it's been, so it's been good. Uh, just feel excited about having him and he's hit the ground running. No question. For sure. Uh, it 99.9% of what I'm going to ask you is going to surround the search. I, I have one question that actually goes to some of the workaround scheduling. And then of course we will end with our uh, kind of fun questions before we do, you know, I just want to get my bills paid real quick. Gene, I know you probably don't need it, but our listeners probably need to go to athleticgreens.com because that's going to give you all the vitamins, minerals, and superfoods you need just in one little scoop. It gives me my energy. I know not everyone can be going at 100 miles an hour every day like you, so I need my Athletic Greens. So go to athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. And again, to everyone listening, we're going to be going live at 7 p.m. Wednesday night on the ColorCast app to talk all things K-State sports all offseason long. All right, walk me through your mindset and emotions throughout the uh, basketball season. Because again, sitting at midpoint in February, I I left the arena on Valentine's Day after we beat West Virginia. Bracketologists were having us in the field. Uh, So you go from that to then ending on a six-game losing streak. How much of a roller coaster ride was this basketball season for you? Well, it was. You know, I I went to the TCU game um, at TCU, and and it was a good road great road win for us and we were sitting at 14 and 11 and you know feeling pretty good I think we were either fourth or fifth in the in the big 12 and 
again, projections were, you know, maybe a little bit on the bubble even at that point, but still felt pretty good about this teams we had at home and, and opportunities to get some more wins. Um, you know, and I talked to Jamie Pollard, the Iowa State AD who's on the committee about what we, you know, pretty much needed to do to, you know, to assure ourselves and we just couldn't do it. And I, I felt awful for our players. I felt awful for the coaching staff. You know, certainly I hope nothing more than to be able to get in that tournament um, for a lot of reasons. And, and certainly, so it was very much a roller coaster. And, you know, as we, as we kind of wound down the season, like you said, finished off with, um, you know, I think six losses and, and we, we were the complete opposite of TCU. I mean, they, they lost that game and they went on a six game win streak and look what they did. And I think that's the team we were, you know, capable of being, and we just couldn't close out the, the games at the end. How quickly did things move after that final game versus West Virginia? You know, Bruce's post-game press conference sure made it seem like he knew it was over. At what point did you know you were going to be kicking off a coaching search? Well, not really until, you know, formally until we lost that first game in the tournament, you know, uh, we did have some conversations before that and, and kind of got a sense of where he was, but, you know, he wanted to, you know, finish off the, the, the season in the tournament thinking we could make a run in the tournament. And we said, yeah, let's go make a run in the tournament. And then, you know, when we lost that last game. I think that's a point we, you know, got together and, you know, decided to, to keep moving. And, and so, but, you know, you, your mind goes there a couple of times, um, you know, just start thinking well, the what ifs, right. And you need to be prepared for the what ifs. And so you, you start thinking of names and people you've heard about. So, but really in earnest uh, was the day after uh, we lost in the tournament, we, we really went to work and, you know, had some things uh, kind of ready to hammer out. So um, uh, that was just really the, the kind of the timeline during the process. I know I can speak for myself and a lot of fans. Uh, we saw a lot of jobs open up and a lot of the national talking heads, the regional talking heads, even a few folks in the Kansas city sports talk landscape we're consistently putting K-State amongst the lowest uh, of those jobs that were open, the bottom of those jobs available this cycle. Why do you think that was the perception? It, does it come down to some of the folks are just a little bit lazy, not really doing enough homework into this basketball program? Do you think they're just trying to pander to some perceived larger fan bases? What was yeah. the deal with that? You know, Scott, I think that's a great point. And, and that certainly wasn't the reaction we got from, we did. We talked to some really good candidates and, and candidates that you saw their names on, on some other jobs. Now, there were some names that were mentioned for our job that we didn't talk to, but um, there was a lot of interest. And, and so whatever the public perception was from the talking heads, as you said, it was, certainly wasn't that in the basketball world uh, from, from coaches that we, that we talked to. And, and, they, 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 and, that's, and that's probably right. They probably haven't done their homework where these coaches – that live it every day, understand not only the history of K-State, uh, but our capabilities. Obviously, you know, Bruce won two Big 12 championships and an Elite Eight run just a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, we struggled the last couple of years, but it's not a, a program that's broken by any stretch of the imagination. So it is frustrating to hear that. And we didn't really think much about that because we knew the candidate pool that we had and the interest we were getting from, you know, agents anymore. Agents are calling our search firm saying, hey, so-and-so wants to talk to you, so-and-so wants to talk to you. So we knew we were in a good spot, and we knew we were one of the top jobs, but we also knew because there's a lot of other openings, some of them that could pay a, a little bit higher than we could, we needed to move as quickly as we could to get the, the best candidate we, we were trying to get. Speaking of the, the pay, uh, this is the first 
coaching search that you've had to go through since the conference realignment start? And again, everything's projection. Nothing is out there yet, uh, you know, signed, but everyone at least believes that in the future, the media payout either isn't going to, you know, in increase as exponentially as it has in the past with the change in the conference. And maybe it'll just kind of stay about where it currently is. Did that kind of, you know, not, I, I won't say worry, but unsured, uh, idea of what the next media deal will be. Did that play any part into the search or how you guys operated the search? Not really. I mean, obviously we, we know it's kind of in the back of your head more from a bigger budget perspective, but we also know that if we could, you know, get the right coach in here and, and they can get us consistently winning um, and filling up Bramlage that, you know, we could be pretty competitive from a salary perspective. And so that's kind of what you look at is, okay, you know, where are you from a basketball perspective, from from a ticket sales and the ability to really fill Bramlage and be able to kind of pay the salary you need to pay? Now, certainly, you know, Jerome being the assistant coach, we, we had a little more room uh, to take him. And but we also know that if he gets a winner, we can grow him pretty quickly too, up to a salary where we can make sure that we keep him as long as we possibly can. And speaking of the, the salaries and the investment now, Unless it came out recently today, I haven't seen the official confirmation of at least a handful of folks that are seemingly on his staff. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they have K-State in their bio. They've changed their Twitter picture. So I don't think anything is going to reverse course. Otherwise, I mean, I'm going to be calling you. We're going to have another podcast to talk about. But there, there's some pretty big names there. Um, did you set up a specific salary pool for some of these names that uh, that are already on the ground recruiting for K-State, how did those conversations with Jerome work and uh, how excited are you to see some of these uh, pretty heavy hitters in the name of basketball recruiting, recruiting with the power cat on the chest? Yeah, that's always part of the process is the salary pool and, and, and head coaches look at that. And that's, you know, I won't say it's one of their first questions, but it's an early question in the process about what is your potential salary pool? We knew kind of where we were and we knew, where we needed to get to in order to, you know, make sure a coach was comfortable coming in that he could put together the top three assistants uh, and pay him, uh, you know, a fair, fair amount of money. And so uh, it was certainly part of the conversation. Um, you know, we pushed it a little bit over than, than what we were because we knew if, you know, we were to get a Jerome with the capabilities you had of bringing in a couple of assistants. So, um, you know, they're not, they're not firm yet. They're still going through the process, but um yeah, we're pretty pleased with what he's been able to put together so far. You don't get into college athletics to shy away from making big hires, but you look at the history of coaches, specifically for K-State basketball in the past, you know, Naismith Hall of Famers, guys that have changed the landscape of college basketball. And then if you even look at the last three hires, Bob Huggins is going to be a Hall of Famer. Frank Martin, five for five in 21 seasons and postseason appearances at K-State. Bruce Weber, two big 12 titles and a big elite eight run. Um, does any of that weigh on you as you're, as you're making that hire? Does the weight of the basketball history weigh on you? Or do you just say, Hey, I'm good at what I do. I'm going to make a great hire. <laughs> well, obviously you want to make a great hire because it's K-State and you care about it and you care about the basketball program, but you also know you have a really good product to sell to a coach because, because of that history, because of the coaches that have been here, like you said, you, you just reeled off, you know, three, but there's been, you know, the Jack Hartmans and the Tex winners before that. And, you know, the long, uh, long Kruger, obviously. So like you said, a lot of potential and I'm, I'm obviously forgetting some, 
but that's a good thing to sell, you know, to, to a potential candidate and say, Hey, look at our history. Look at the coaches that came before you. Now you also make sure that they're not afraid to come step in and, and, and fill a role like that either. And that's you know part of the conversation, but you know, I don't, I don't feel like it weighs on me. I think it's more of a, of a tool in our, in our shed to really sell the program and go out and get the best candidate we can possibly get. So I, I, I view it as a fun challenge uh, to make sure that, you know, I do have confidence that I, I, I you know, when I had a lot of help guys, you know, Josh McCown and, and Kenny Lanou and, and Casey Scott that really understand our program. So we could have some really good discussions about the candidates. And so I look at it as a, as a fun challenge in a lot of ways. Uh, did Long Cougar or Kruger like give you a nudge, nudge and say, Hey, you know, if you need me to pull a Bill Snyder and calm the waters, you know, maybe retirement isn't what I thought it was. I'm just over here in Silver Lake. Did he, did he uh, slide into your DMs with that type of uh, message? No, I think he's comfortable being a granddad and uh, helping out his son out there in Vegas at some point, but uh, no, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't reach out. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it would have been, it, that would have been a funny story, uh, you know, yeah. I, there might have been someone who was trying to tell some folks that that might have been happening, but you know, you know how crazy those rumors are. <laughs> yeah, um, we might, yeah. that might even, there might be a question about the craziest either email or rumor you heard a little bit later today. Um, I, I've listened to you in, in a couple interviews. You, you've talked about how you got to talk to Jerome in Kansas City. Uh, some of the reporting came out that he was one of, if not the first coach you talked to. Um, he, did you keep coming back to that first great meeting with Jerome when you would talk to other coaches? Were you consistently comparing them back to that first one that you kind of got who, who ultimately ended up being your guy? Yeah, in a lot of ways we did, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, just, you know, personality wise and fit, uh, energy, passion, all those, uh, all those things that, you know, and we didn't get into detail like we did at his home on Sunday, but when he left, uh, we kind of said, okay, there's the bar. And, you know, your first one can either be a high bar, a medium bar, or a low bar. And he certainly wasn't a high bar. Um, and then we, you know, we, we talked to some really good coaches. I mentioned that that were, were right there too. And, and for a lot of different reasons, but just this, so that once we said, okay, who's our top guy out of everybody we talked to, we got to go talk to that person first, but yet we were prepared to continue to go see a couple other guys. But then when we got to Jerome's house and, and on that Sunday, and he just really sealed the deal with really getting into basketball, really getting into some details. But, um, you know, had he faltered along the line, we would have been ready to continue to go look and talk to guys uh, either that Sunday or Monday as people were beginning to fall out of the tournament. That's the other thing. And most everybody we talked to was involved in some tournament, either the NIT or the, or the NSA tournament. So we had to time around that, but um no, once once uh, once we got to his house, we were pretty well convinced that he was going to be our guy. You mentioned there's like a handful of other candidates who are right up there with you. What was the maybe one or two things that really did put Jerome over the top where you're like, all right, this is our man. We have to go see him in his house this Sunday. Yeah, you know, a couple of things. One is just what he was a part of at Baylor and, and building that program. And yeah, he wasn't the head coach, but clearly his fingerprints were all over that and, and where they started when they got there, what issues they dealt with to build it. Um, you know, clearly his, his, um, his, his willingness to stay through all of that and, and continue to support and be loyal to Scott drew was, was big. And then his knowledge of, 
you know, X and Owen in the Big 12 and recruiting in the Big 12 was huge. Um, his contacts uh, around the, not only in Texas, but other places. Uh, and I talked to, I don't know, between myself and the three guys in our search firm, we talked to a lot of people in the basketball world and they just kept coming back to what a great guy he was. But it really was the ties he had to the Big 12 and what they did at Baylor was probably gave him the edge over most of the other candidates. I think that is really what got fans on board. Um, you know, you're on Twitter, you read your emails. I'm sure you know some of the names that fans really started to attach themselves to. Were you surprised of how quickly the fan base became united around Jerome Tang? Because again, I, I, in preparation of this, I, I, I looked at two or three different message boards. I was trying to find some tweets. I was trying to find anyone be negative about this that were K-State fans. And I couldn't find it, uh, you know, maybe going back to the Bob Huggins hire, I don't think you have seen the fan base so quickly rally around a guy that even includes Bill Snyder coming back. And I'm sure you remember the initial reaction to coach Kleiman before, you know, fans started maybe doing a little bit of research on him yourself. Are you surprised about how it, how it basically was instant that the fan base fell in line behind Jerome? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, but I, yes and no. I mean, because I knew who I met and who I got to know in the two meetings, and I knew how much, how quickly we really liked him and how we gravitated towards him and and just how he made us feel being around him. So you just you know you hope he's going to be that comfortable in a in a room full of strangers at the press conference or a room full of donors, and he and he was and he you know so. Yes, I was because I'm not sure a lot of people knew him. You know, his name wasn't his name was out there and his name was involved with a lot of other jobs. And that again was another reason we wanted to move as quickly as we could. But I, once, once I even sat down with him, I'm like, okay, this guy's going to resonate with a lot of our K-Staters. And so, yes, I was a little bit, but then once I knew they got in front of, he got in front of them, I thought he was going to hit a home run and he did. And then you're right. It, it was a little, the biggest thing was the, the galvanized fan base that, came about with his after his press conference was as galvanized as we've been as a probably a fan base with basketball in a long time yeah and, and, and again I, I want to give some uh credit to some folks that I, I've become friendly with over the last handful of years and I think it played a big part in getting the uh, fan base around uh, coach Kleiman they hit the ground running with coach Hang. that's the folks in the social media department specifically Cody Izern and Emily Starkey um, they hit it out of the park. I'm not sure if you saw it, but they had, I think, over 3 million uh, impressions on Twitter and Instagram in that first three days. Um, again, I, I think those are some unsung heroes in any athletic department, especially at K-State. How great a work did that team do? And it's not just those two, but how great work did that team do once it's like, okay, it's, it's Jerome Tang. They hit the ground running. How, how great are they? It, 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 I can't say thank you enough and how proud I am of all of them. Everybody from, you know, Kenny's staff, you mentioned Cody and Starkey and, and everybody else in the media relations to our, our fan experience group that was ready for the promotional stuff. And then our Ahern fund staff to put on the various events, <clears throat> but how quickly that came together, because I mean, we, I'm trying to think we kind of got it up formally announced on Monday and, Next thing you know, they're, we're doing a press conference on Thursday and 
and to put that out there, you know, Cody and, and, and Starkey get on the plane and fly out. And then once they're taking pictures and putting it out there, it was such a well-coordinated effort. Um, and it came off so well. I, I just can't say enough about our staff to put all that together. And, and you're right. It was a, it, it came together quickly, but flawlessly in my opinion. Now those that were doing it would probably tell you there's some bumps in the roads and, and I said, well, if, if there were, we never saw it. I never saw it. It was nothing but perfect in the way, way, I, way I saw things. And I think Jerome and his family felt that way too. Yeah, I, I, I was actually uh, talking with Cody right as the first, I think it was uh, Goodman or Rothstein put it out like, oh, there it is. And I was saying, man, I, I think it's going to be Tang. And I was excited for it. I was DMing right back and forth with Cody. And then he <laughs> sent me the tweet. I was like, all right, it's time for you to get to work. So uh, I'm a yeah. big fan of those two and everyone uh, in that part of the athletic department. And I'm very happy they represent uh, the purple. I have uh, one final question before I get to my one non-basketball one and then our fun uh, four questions to end it. But uh, Coach Tang specifically talked about how he wanted to come to K-State in a big part because of the fan base and his memories of how loud and the atmosphere Bramlage could be. He said that when he's going to recruit kids, He's going to sell them on the atmosphere uh, that Bramlage can be. We haven't seen Bramlage turn into the octagon of doom outside of a couple games a season for at least a few years. Is there anything outside of hopefully some you know, great results that the athletic department is working on to help facilitate bringing that energy back to the arena this upcoming season? Yeah, again, I think our staff's already working on, you know, how do we get more students engaged and get that student number back up to where it's filling those seats on a regular basis. And, you know, we put out the $25 deposit, which we got, I don't know, 130 new accounts just in that first 24 hours. So I think we're just going to keep pushing his energy. Now we've got to let him, you know, get his staff built and take a breath. But, you know, once we, once he gets settled, you know, again, to get him out there in front of as many people as we can, still allowing him to do his job in terms of recruiting and, and those priorities. But I think the more Jerome Tang can get in front of people, whether publicly or in smaller groups, will just continue to drive that ability to, to fill up Bramley's on a regular basis. Definitely. And, and I already have my, uh, I, I got two season tickets again. You know, I, I signed back up myself during that promotion, even being here in Shawnee, Kansas, I'm trying to work on a Johnson County carpool. If you want to fund like a party bus for us for some of those <laughs> midweek games, I'm sure I could get a handful of how, handful more uh, season ticket holders. I'll I'll talk to you off the record for that one to get the funding for go. the party bus. But uh, I only had really one real question uh, that isn't surrounding basketball because I have a feeling, or at least there's been a little bit of smoke surrounding this that I think it'll get finalized before I hopefully get you back on in July, get back to our usual summer conversation. But the conversations, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, started happening in Kansas City around what the new scheduling formats and new divisions may look like for the Big 12. Um, my first question, and there's a couple follow-ups, were there any conversations about not going back to divisions because you see the SEC, Big 10, and ACC at least kicking around the idea of getting waivers not to have divisions so they can have in football at least their top two play in a conference championship game. Were there ever any conversations of trying to get that waiver uh, to not have divisions so you could stay with the one versus two format in football? Yeah, it's all part of the conversation, you know, whether it's divisional play, if it is divisional play, what those divisions look like. 
and do we not do divisions and and try to figure out with a you know for a couple of year a 14 team league and then a ultimately a 12 team league how do you do that the best way when you're not going to play everybody in your league and so that that becomes kind of the challenge in the discussion um so that was all part of the conversation. We started with the divisional conversations just to let people look at it. Um, the first look, the first view at it was at the meetings in Kansas City. Um, again, nothing was solved, nothing was uh, decided upon, and we're going to continue to talk about it. Um, yes, there are a lot of conferences now re, re looking, rethinking that and relooking at it because of the waiver, we, we do think that's probably going to be instead of a waiver, it's probably just going to be something that will go uh, as a kind of rework through the in-state rule book, uh, something that may not be an issue. So they may not even have to ask for a waiver. But um, if that's the case, you know, obviously we've been very successful in the Big 12 being able to have one versus two. And I think there's a lot of still willingness to try to look at that. So we're looking at all the options. Our goal is to have something pretty well finalized by uh, the end of May when we meet our spring meetings uh, down in Dallas. If you were a gambling man, would you, would you bet on saying that there will be divisions returned yeah. or having a scheduling setup that uh, doesn't include divisions so one versus two can stay around? Well, that's a great question. And I, I don't know how to best answer that. I, I think there's pros and cons clearly for both. Um, you know, if you do division, you know, like in the Big Ten, sometimes they'll say the West is uh, a stronger division than the East or vice versa, I guess. Uh, you know, you get the Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State all in one division. And, you know, and so is that really fair? Or maybe, you know, you know, the, you know, the Ohio State, whoever's coming out of the division is probably going to win. The, and it probably has. It's probably been out the last uh, couple of years. But um, so I think we're been a very, you know, and, and that's probably one of the reasons we've gotten so many teams in the final four in the last few years is our true number one comes out of there and it helps them from the CFP perspective and the P CFP selection. If you're not playing everybody, I don't know how that best works, but I think that's all part of the conversation and uh, it'll be just kind of interesting to see where ADs land. I know for a fact that I have a friend uh, in the in the podcasting world, Philip Slavin. I, I know he would be willing to be an unpaid, uh, you know, schedule helper to avoid divisions. He's he's been very passionate about not wanting to go divisions. Uh, if if my vote counts, which I know it doesn't, I would say don't do divisions. Just try to figure it out. Um, just yeah. just three uh, quick questions around that, and then we'll move on to the fun questions, which I know are your favorite. Um, were there any proposals when divisions were being talked about that would split up KU, K-State, and Iowa State, which have now three, between the, those three schools, some of the longest running football rivalries and most played football rivalry games in all of college football? No, there was no division that I remember that we looked at that had a split up. Um, and, and then, and we also talked about, you know, keeping rivals together. Even if we, you know, don't do divisions, how do we make sure that we play KU every year and obviously Oklahoma, Texas, and, and then you got Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and, you know, Texas Tech and Baylor, whoever. I think we have to be cognizant of that, but there, at least the divisionals, the divisions that I was part of the conversation, I did not see us being split up in any of those. Okay, good. Because I'm still also angling for a trophy game with Iowa State, uh, but I'll leave there that for go. the July conversation. Will, they, will, will you guys at 
was it decided nine games for football? Was it, were there any conversations about moving away from nine games? A little bit, but I think just with where's everybody's schedules out years are, uh, the nine seems to fit right now and makes makes the most sense uh, for us. So we never really had any other conversation in detail other than the nine. And then basketball currently have an 18 game schedule. I think once upon a time, the big 12 was only 16. There's some conferences that go up to 20. Was there a magic number for basketball scheduling? I think 18 again, was a comfort level that everybody was good with. And I don't know. I was on, I'm on the football committee. I'm not on the basketball committee. So I, I'm a Jill Shills and Casey Scott No, Casey's on baseball. Uh, Jill said they've never really talked anything other than 18 in basketball as well. All right. I appreciate it. Now it's everyone's favorite time for funny questions. Uh, first off, what percent of your K-State gear now currently is lavender? You know, it's, it's actually a small percentage. It's probably, you know, maybe as I think of my closet, it's probably 5%. It's still mainly purple and white. And then I've got some black mixed in as well. So it's, it's still a pretty small number. Will that ever get above 10% in your closet? Well, as long if coaches start keep taking care of me and their and their lavender stuff, you know, I'm, I'm too damn cheap to go out and buy my own. <laughs> I, I gotta make sure somebody hands it to me. Well, you know, the the football staff is starting to wear it quite often too with uh, media availability. So, as, as a fan of the color lavender, I may even may or may not even have a shadow campaign to make that our primary color and really make people mad. But uh, again, maybe I'll talk about that in July. Um, if you were going to enter an eating contest, a life or death eating contest, but you got to choose the food you're consuming, what food would you uh, choose to competitively eat? Oh, it'd have to be Mexican food, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge Mexican food fan and grew up on it in Arizona. And, you know, I could eat if I, if it's good, I could eat uh, a Mexican food meal, pretty much every meal. If I, if I had the opportunity. Okay, so like if we're talking like a Mexican food platter, like a taco enchilada. Yeah, like probably enchiladas if it's going to be competitive. Uh, you know, enchiladas, maybe tacos, but tacos if you eat fast and you don't chew that corn, you know, you get yeah. stuck. I'd probably go with enchiladas. Okay, so how many enchiladas could you put down in like 15 minutes? Oh, my goodness. I, I, I don't probably, <laughs> I'd say maybe 10. 10. All right. That, that's a respectable number. Um, what is either, and you can go either direction for this one, what is either the funniest email you received during the coaching search or the funniest rumor that you might have heard during the coaching search that wasn't Long Kruger pulling a Bill Snyder and coming out of retirement to calm the waters? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I'm trying to think the funny, there was, there was some emails that were pretty funny during the season, um, you know, when we weren't playing great that We'll probably keep those in our back pocket for another day. Uh, I, I think, you know, there wasn't really just one name that, that I, I'm sorry, there was one. Actually, there was one. Um, and he, he actually wrote to the search firm. And he, he was, I wish I could pull it up, but it said something about, hey, look, uh, I, I know that you, you guys are in the middle of the search. You know, I, 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 I coached my son or daughter's um, Little League baseball team. We won the local city championship. Um, I'm a big K-State fan. I got purple all in my closet. And he kind of went on and on and on. He goes, as far as I'm concerned, the search is over. He goes, matter of fact, 
if you'll just pay me $100,000 a year, I'd be happy to do it. Just make sure I get a big assistance pool so I can bring assistance in the no tech they're doing. But as far as I'm concerned, you've, I've, you found your candidate and it was way better than that, but it, it was literally pretty funny when I, when I, when I looked at it. I love that. I love that. All right. And then the, the, the final question, and, and then I'll give you time to address any K-State fans. Uh, is it true after coach Tang agreed to be the next head coach that you and Kenny Lanou got matching every man of wildcat tattoos? <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, not, not one that actually is etched in. We might've, you know, got a painted on or something, but no, that, uh, no, that didn't happen. Okay. Well, if you guys ever do go in on it, let me know. I'll be the third amigo for that uh, matching tattoo. So, all right. all uh, right. and, and again, that, that's all I have, but as always, I want to just give you a chance to address K-State fans. Anyone listening to this, uh, you, you just get the final word and say whatever you'd like. Well, I just appreciate everybody's uh, patience throughout the process. Right. I mean, I think, um, you know, there was some nervousness and, you know, how the season was going to end and, and, and I think what came out to me was the passionate fan base that we have that are, you know, hungry to, to get back to the, the octagon of doom. And, and I think, uh, you know, just stay with us and keep supporting coach Tang and this basketball program. And I think there's going to be great things, uh, great things ahead. And I also believe that with uh, football as well. And, you know, coach Clemens is really pretty excited about the year ahead. So I think we could have a great uh, season next year from start to finish, uh, 20, I guess that'd be 22-23 season. Definitely, and hopefully we get you in on the summer so I can ask about all the uh, secret football depth charts and all that type of stuff. But I appreciate you coming on as always, uh, Gene. I appreciate the work you got done. That's all the boneheads. You heard the man. Let's get back in the arena. Let's make it a little doomy this winter. We love you guys, and uh, no matter what, Grant is always going to be waiting for you guys at the Cathead. Go find him. Hey. To the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight, hail alma mater from sea to sea. Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight.
Podcast Network.